Hey, welcome to episode 110. That's right, folks, 110 episodes of Scar Bearers. I'm so happy for that to be a fact and for you to be here. I'm Chris D.T. Gordon, always thankful for your attention as we introduce you to another, another wonderful guest and share inspiring and motivational stories that will help you d- develop some more gratitude and some just inspire you to make the world a better place wherever you are. I want to thank Nate and Britton Barron for being part of the show. If you want them to work on your projects, please reach out to them at Nate Barron. Well, folks, you're likely here because you have subscribed to the channel. I greatly appreciate it. However, we need others to hear these inspirational messages. And so if you could do me a favor and share this message on your social media channels, give me a like. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do that because that I guess that helps the algorithm or something. The YouTube gods deem you more worthy when you have subscribers. So if you can help me out, that'd be greatly appreciated. Well, I am blessed to have my friend, uh, my, my friend and fellow speaker, Jesse Cruz here with me today. Jesse, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my friend. Well, besides being beautiful and bald, like we both are, and, and you're also a speaker, however, we speak on different t- topics, and yours comes from a, a source of pain like mine does, but while mine is you know somewhat physical... Yours is more of an emotional pain. Would you mind sharing that, please? Absolutely. So five years ago, my wife and I, we had a child who was born prematurely. And she was four months early. And she was literally one pound, could hold her in the palm of my hand. And because her condition was so fragile, we never knew what would happen moment by moment. Uh, Being in her hospital room, she would have good days. And then we were, there were moments where we would watch her flatline in front of us and the doctors and nurses would come in, rush in to save her life and give her another day to live. And this became normal for us. I was watching my daughter fight for her life every single day. Wow. And after 42 days of fighting, she flatlined for the final time and literally passed away in our arms. Mm. I'm so sorry. You know, I, I know I've known your story for a while now, but every time it, it doesn't take away, you know, the tragedy of it. And I'm sure she's on your mind every day. I'm sure I'm certain. Yeah. I mean, she's the reason why we do everything that we do. You know I mean? If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be doing these things in business that I'm doing and reaching the people I'm reaching. So, you know, I, I just tell people all the time, like if a one pound girl, can impact this many people. Just imagine what you could do. Hmm. So what were the steps that you took immediately after her passing? You know, you know, I mean, I'm sure you didn't think, well, it's time to be a speaker. There had to be some kind of transition there. It was really just the opposite. I wanted really? to just crawl into a hole and never speak to anybody ever again. You know, not, no, I never wanted to share a story. I didn't want to write a book. I didn't want to speak. I didn't want to coach. I don't want to do any of the things I'm doing now. Um, I just wanted to be away from everyone and be alone and by myself. 
Um, I knew I needed to seek professional help and, and that's what I did. And one of those ways that helped me cope during that time was writing uh, that became my therapy. So did the therapist suggest that you start journaling? So actually I, I started the journaling all on my own. Um, but the therapist in that group setting, um, was the first time I was able to share openly with what I experienced. So that created an environment of safety and trust, which is what I love to build uh, with people now is just a, a place where people can be vulnerable and authentic and be able to share their stories. So finding a place and people where I could share my pain and trauma openly and not be judged and just be accepted for who I am uh, was life-changing for me. And you did that again in the group therapy sessions. Correct. Okay. I, I want to point that out because, and I'm sure you've heard this, Jesse, that there is a stigma against mental health and in seeking mental you know, help through therapy. And I just want people to dispel that myth because mental health is health. And I'm sure you can attest to that. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I believe that it takes an incredibly strong human being to go to therapy. Yeah, because I mean, and, and I might be wrong on this, but it seems like you have to be able to look yourself in the eye and say, I can't do this on my own. I need to, I need to, you know, have someone else get me through this. And we all have our egos that say, Oh, you can, you got this. You got, you have, you know, there's nothing you can't handle. Well, I, you know, I think you're right when you say the incredibly strong person says, well, maybe this isn't too big for us alone. And so, you know, when you first uh, went to that therapy session, where were you at in terms of, I know this is a weird question, I apologize, but I mean, where were you at within your recovery process? Where, I mean, was it you were at your lowest point or was it that you were starting to come up? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, so I think it was probably about, about a month and a month and a half after her passing that, uh, you know, the decision was made that I was going to go get help. And I felt like I was at a low point for years. Um, it, that, that grief dragged for a long time. Um, but I'm glad I made the decision to go do it because that's what started the healing process. Um, I wouldn't say I was at my lowest point. I'd say my lowest point was the night that she died. I mean, that was the lowest point of my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, so about a month and a half later, I decided that, you know, I should probably at least make an attempt to try to heal. And so that's what I did. Okay. All right. And so you, you joined this uh, group therapy session You've already been writing, I believe you said. At what point did you feel that you could turn that corner and start turning your pain into a purpose? When I saw it was impacting people's lives. Okay. You know, because I, I was writing for me because it helped me. And then when I saw how people were opening up to me, sharing with me how they lost a child or they lost someone they loved or they're dealing with grief and pain that they've gone through. Once I saw it was able to really impact people, I was like, wow, like it's a lot bigger than me. Like there's so many hurting people in this world 
And I just believe when people go through pain, that pain really isn't for them. It's for the people they're going to help with the pain that they've already gone through. And I, I want to say before I forget, thank you so much. Well, not only I, I knew this didn't come up, uh, but you were also a veteran of the military. I want to first thank you for your service for that. But also thank you for sharing your story, because as you said, it, you know, it's used to serve other people. And so was there ever a point that you thought, wow, this is, I mean, why, well, of course you did. But at what point did you, th- did you feel, wow, this could actually serve as a book? Because you weren't, were you thinking that this was originally going to be published or was this going to be just for you? Um, so it was interesting because I, I can still remember the moment when I was actually, we were on vacation because um, I wrote, a, I wrote my first book and then I wanted to write about what we went through with our daughter in the hospital. And I remember we were actually, we were in Utah at the time on a vacation and I remember I looked over at my wife. I said, look, I just want to write this story and I want to publish this book and I want to use this story to make a difference in the lives of people. And I just decided in that moment that I was going to go through with it. And I hesitated for a little bit because it was so personal. So it took a couple of years for me to come around and to decide to write the book. So I think I started writing the book in 2019. Um, so it was two years after she passed away and I started the book writing process and then I uh, made that decision there that I was going to move forward with it because I know that this pain isn't going to just be wasted, right? It's, it's going to be used to change lives for others. So I just needed to be obedient to the call that was placed in my life and help people with it. Okay. And so what, you know, what was the process like for you writing that, you know, writing that first book? Because it, you know, we found that through the advent of uh, Amazon and self-publishing that there are different ways of going ahead and publishing or getting your story published. So how did, how did you uh, see that through? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to the book writing process, you know, um, the first book that came out immediately, that was um, two years after her passing. And then the one that was about her life was four years after her passing. They both took different approaches. Um, the first one, um, like I said, you don't know how to write a book until you write a book, right? So it's like I was just completely lost and clueless the entire time, uh, completely frustrated. I almost gave up like 20 times. I'm like, this is overwhelming and overbearing for me. Um, but I, I just made a promise to myself that I was going to do it, right? And then when it came to writing the second book, which is about her life, I knew I needed to get a coach, right? So I had a coach help me through that entire process, keep me accountable, keep me on track, encourage me along the way. You know, I, I mean, I tell everyone, everybody needs a coach. Like, even if you're a coach yourself, everyone needs one because everyone needs that level of accountability. Uh, they need people to have their back and support them. And so when you have that, a coach for any task will make any task much more manageable and much more effective and a, also a, a more efficient amount of time and, and so that's what I decided to do. I said that the second one, I'm not going to have the same frustrations as the first one. I think that's for, well, first of all, I want to hit on the coach thing. I, I definitely agree that having someone to spur you on, to challenge you, but also to be there by your side and cheer you on is great for, as you said, any endeavor, because if you look at the greatest athletes in the world, yeah, they may have a, have a head coach that runs the whole team, but even individual athletes, they have someone on the sideline 
helping them out, telling them what they need to do next to get better. And I think, and I do agree that we all could use a coach to help us with that. What now, what was the first book called? First book was titled Live Your Dash, Discovering the Eight Fs to Freedom. All right. And obviously the dash refers to the dash on a gravestone, you know, that uh, that appears in stone that you're, you know, it is it's a great symbol because. It, it within that dash, there's so much that can go on. And unfortunately, in your daughter's uh, in your daughter's situation, you know, so much went on in such a short time span. Um, what prompted you to use that, you know, to use that title? Live your dash. Yes. Um, well, for me, it was. I just noticed that up until that moment, I was I was doing things that I thought were awesome in life, but I was existing. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't really stepping into my purpose and my calling. I was just getting through life. And I feel like many people do that and they don't ever discover what their purpose is. So this book laid out this eight pillar framework of these eight different areas of my life um, that got me through the most traumatic time that I ever experienced. And I realized if I was intentional on those eight areas that my life could drastically change and it did. And so I was like, man, if this working for me, during this time in my life, I know it could work for other people. And so I just wanted people to live a fulfilled life and to live their purpose and to not just exist in life, but to really live it. I really resonate with that because I see so many people on Facebook and social media, they may post what they're doing, but it's existing. They're not living, they're just existing. And I, I really connect with that. If you don't mind sharing, if you don't mind sharing, Jesse, what are at least a couple of those pillars? I don't want to give away everything in your book, but I am very, I am very much intrigued by what those eight pillars are. Yeah. Um, so there's, so they all start with the letter F. That's why it's called the eight F's to freedom. So uh, there's family, there's faith, forgiveness, friendship. Those are four, um, four of the pillars that that's more towards more of your relationships right there. So, um, and then there's obviously a few other ones as well, but those areas were so, I mean, impactful in my life. And I've noticed that no matter what people believe or whatever stage they are in life, like all these eight areas affect everybody, you know, no matter, no matter your background, no matter what you believe in, no matter what you've experienced, these, these eight areas impact our lives every single day. So say I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna play a little devil's advocate and not just not just to be a challenger, but I am just intrigued to hear what your answer is. Say if someone is an, an atheist or a non-believer, what how could the faith part affect them? Oh, I think the atheist got more faith than anybody I know. I mean, that that yeah. to me, an atheist has a, a level of faith I wish I had. I mean, I mean, that's faith. And I know that sounds contrary to what people say, but atheists, whether they realize it or not, their faith is huge. I mean, okay. that faith is at a whole different level than most people. Um, so for me, even an atheist has faith. I mean, we all have faith in something. You have faith when you go out to start your car, your car is going to start. You have faith when you go to a job, you're going to get a paycheck. You know what I mean? You have faith that when you stand up, your legs are going to work. Everybody has different degrees and levels of faith. It's really just what you put your faith into i 
I really appreciate that answer, Jesse. I was not expecting that. So I, I thank you so much for illuminating that, um, you know, because that, you know, when you think about it, you're right. There is, we have faith in so many things. I am not mechanically inclined in the least. I, I'm, my last name is Gordon. My brother's first name is actually Jeff and he lives up to it. He is a car guy. I am the opposite. And so I put a lot of faith into my vehicles to make sure they work because I couldn't fix them if I, if I had a gun to my head. And so, and I, and so, yeah, that faith really does fall, fall into a lot of places in our lives. I mean, we have faith that the internet's going to keep going. So yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And so you, you uh, print, uh, you get uh, Live Your Dash published. And so that's going well. At what point do you decide to tell your daughter's story in the second book? Yeah, I mean, it was. I know, you, I know you said you were in Utah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so how long after the first book? I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah, the first book came out in 2019. And I remember it being, I think, just a, a few months. Yeah, a few months before that or a few months after that. And I was like, you know what? There's more to the story I got to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, this story is a... Is a, is a, a a story of, of encouragement, a feel good story. Um, but now I got to get more real with people and, you know, show them that, you know, life isn't always rainbows and butterflies. You know, th- there, there are hard times and I, I just want to create an environment, especially for men, because like, I think men struggle with vulnerability. Um, they don't want to talk about that. They cried. They don't want to talk about their pain, their heartache, the traumas that they've gone through. So I'm like, someone's got to be the one to do it. Why not me? You know, so I just decided it's going to be me. You know, if no one's going to do it, I'm going to do it. And, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to meet so many men and, and other people throughout, throughout life that have shared things with me that they tell me they've never shared with anybody. And they don't even know me that well. But it's just because when you create that environment of that trust, then people are more willing to share what, the, what they've gone through. That is incredibly powerful when you're able to reach someone at that level, that they're, they're willing to experience you know, to open up themselves to you. And, and as you said, with something they have never told someone before. And I think that's a, that, that is a hallmark as to your character, Jesse, that, you know, that you're such that person that they feel comfortable doing that. So the, what is the, I'm sorry, I missed it. What is the title of the second book? The second of the title book is losing faith, finding hope. Yep. And I remember, I couldn't remember the title and I apologize, but I do remember the book cover, uh, which is, it's heart-wrenching yet heartwarming. Um, and would you mind describing you know, how the book cover came about? Yeah, I was, I was talking with my publisher. We had a couple of different uh, book covers that were um, designed. And, you know, because I like to be personal with the people that um, are support, support what we do. You know, I put the post up on Facebook, actually put both covers up on Facebook and I let the people decide. So I didn't even, I didn't even pick the cover of the book. Um, it was the people on social media. They, they picked it, you know, cause I put it up in hundreds and hundreds of comments and there was an overwhelming majority on which one that they liked. I said, this is what the people want us. So I got to give them. So, you know, it was really the people who got to decide the cover of the book. Yep. And what is, and what does that cover 
look like? Yeah, so it's kind of like a, uh, a turquoise color um, with obviously the, the title in big letter, capital lettering, and then it's got footprints, infant footprints on there. And, and are those uh, your daughter's actual footprints? Those are some digital footprints that we used. Uh, okay. We had her prints. Uh, we, we were going to use her prints because we do have her prints. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that the, her prints came out, it, the way it was getting put onto the book cover, I was like, you know what? It, it just doesn't look um, symmetrical and it didn't look the way it was outlined. We're like, you know what? Let's just use um, some digital footprints on here to represent her footprints as best as we can. So that's what we decided to do. And okay. it, it came out beautifully. You know I mean? It's representing, you know, the prints of people we've lost. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. The, the, the meaning is not lost by that, you know, by that fact. And, but I just feel that that cover is so powerful that you, you, you definitely see the dichotomy of, you know, the sadness of the loss, but yet the hope of the future. Mm-hmm. And so exactly. I, I really appreciate that. Now, I know besides being an author of two books, you also are a speaker and you, you actually have a pretty exciting event coming up. If you wouldn't mind sharing that, that'd be great. Yeah. So we have an amazing event coming up in Niagara Falls, New York, uh, May 20th and 21st. It's a Friday and Saturday. It's called the Mike Story Speaker Competition. Uh, This is an opportunity for people from all over the country uh, to come to the event and take the stage multiple times and share their story. It is a competition. There's a cash prize for the winner. And it's an opportunity for people to network and to connect, talk about their business, their brand, um, you know, talk about their products and their services. And for a way to people get their message out, because we believe in giving a voice to the voiceless. So this would be a perfect platform for people to go to that next level in their personal and professional branding. Are you the one headlining this? Or are you working with a group to do this? Yep. So I am the one. I did create the event, but I obviously have a team of people that it's not going to be just me. Obviously, there's a, there's a team of us working together to make oh, this yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. You, need, you definitely need a team to get something like that, like that off the off the ground. And, and so where can someone learn about, uh, you know, more more about this event and where could they register? Yeah. So actually, I've been because I like to keep it personal, I've actually. I've actually, every person that's been coming to the event is actually contacting me directly because I like to, I like to interact with the people that come to our events because we really strive to make it a family environment. Um, so we really like to get to know the people and, and make sure it's a right fit because we want people who are, who are just driven to learn and to grow and to connect. And so we always have people reach out. Facebook is usually the best way. That's where I'm the most active Facebook, uh, Jesse Cruz or Instagram, which is Jesse Cruz speaks. Those are the best ways to connect with me. If people are interested in coming to the event, it's literally setting up, you know, send me a DM. Uh, we set up a call and see if it's a good fit and we just take it from there. Well, that is, that is unique. You know, you don't hear people very often saying, Oh, you know, just reach out to me personally. Usually they have, Oh, I have this website and you can have this form to fill out. No, I really appreciate how, grassroots this is jesse because as you said when you get to know people on a personal level you there is a greater sense of connection and with that connection comes networking and you can help everyone out at a greater level by doing that and so we'll we'll definitely make sure we have that information in the show notes and and so people can reach out to you what else is going on with you and obviously you're a speaker so you must be speaking at some events correct 
Yeah, actually, because we have, we're host, so we're hosting, you know, quite a few events. Um, most of my just focusing on our events for this year. Um, I am speaking um, in Nashville this year. So um, that is something I'm, I'm currently committed to. Um, you know, then we got like a retreat in October and then we got some mastermind dinner events a couple of times throughout the year. So a lot of that is just is focusing on, on getting the right people in the room and, and spreading a message of hope and encouragement, right? And, and letting people know that they're not alone, right? And they have a support network of people that they can trust and turn to. So uh, my speaking engagements are not jam-packed because we're just so focused on bringing people to our events and then speaking there um, because we just want, we know that there's so many people out there, especially over the past two years. Uh, people have been isolated, they've been divided, they've been lonely. And having these live events to bring people back together again is just going to be something so amazing because it's community can be reestablished through these past. What our vision is, is empowering, inspired entrepreneurs to grow and develop through sharing their story and community. I do agree that, you know, even though this pandemic has been jarring and that's be, that's an understatement to some that we have we all have developed ways of connecting in stronger more longer lasting ways and i definitely do applaud you for taking that step and using using the situation we have to further that cause so jesse throughout your 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 journey was there something that you found that maybe at the time you didn't consider it as a blessing that now you are greatly thankful for? Hmm. That's a good question. Thanks. I would say, I mean, there's, I feel like there's a lot of things, um, but I would say specifically one, there was um, years and years ago, my best friend of like, I mean, we were friends since we were kids. Um, one day, literally like out of nowhere, straight up told me he didn't want to be my friend no more and like never talked to me again. And to this day, I honestly don't even know the reason why, like, I still don't even know. And we were like, I mean, we we're in each other's wedding. Like, I mean, we were close, close, you know what I mean? And he just, he just said, he didn't want to talk to me no more. And I, I didn't know the reason why. And you know, what's crazy. I didn't even ask because mm -hmm. I thought to myself, I was like, if somebody who claims to love me and always be there for me could just X me out of their life, just like that, then that shows me what that relationship was really built on. So although this person thought that they were maybe, I don't know, punishing me or giving me a consequence for something, um, it was actually one of the greatest blessings of my life. Um, he did probably one of the greatest favors for me ever um, because since that time, the amount of great friends that have stepped in and into that role has changed my life forever. You know, I mean, I was, I was holding on. I think a lot of times people hold on to relationships too long that they've outgrown. Mm -hmm. And so they'll outgrow the relationship and they'll still hold on to it for the sake of what they call loyalty, right? Always being there for that person. Um, but ultimately it's healthy to outgrow people. And I think that's what's happened. And, and, and I don't really know, but I just think I was growing in a different direction than he was. Doesn't mean that my way was right or his was right. It just means it was different. And I realized, I was like, man, if I had just learned this sooner, you know, now that the level of friendships I have now compared to what I had back then, um, it's completely different and all for the good. And so I was so thankful for that life lesson he taught me about 
having the right people in your life for the season that you're in. Um, because those people may, they may have expired in your season and your journey for years and years ago, but we hold on to them for so long, trying to force it almost to work and to keep them around. Um, but they're not meant to be with you the entire journey. They're meant to be there for a little while and then you move on and that's okay. And it's, it's perfectly normal to do that. I don't wish nothing bad on him. I still got nothing but love for him. Um, but he taught, he taught me a valuable lesson. So for that, I'm just, I'm forever thankful to him. And I just think people need, really need to evaluate the relationships they have in their life. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I do think that's a valuable lesson that many people need to take to heart because you're absolutely right. Some people are in our lives for a specific reason. And once that reason is over, it's, it's okay to drift apart and go other ways. And it's not a, an indictment on you or them. It just, you know, people are different and being able to accept that I think is a huge lesson that many people need to learn because we feel that, Hey, it has to be this way. Well, no, it really doesn't. People are, they want to live their lives and, they should be allowed to and you know, without hurting other people. And, and so I greatly appreciate you sharing that because, I, like I said, it's a lesson I think many people need to accept before they can live their fullest life. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I have one more question for you, Jesse. Uh, you've, you've shared so much about your book, and I greatly appreciate it, and your story as well. And I'm excited to share in the show notes where people can reach out to you and and about the uh, competition, but I have to know what is your favorite dinosaur? <laughs> oh man. You know, I, I would have to say it's the T-Rex and this is why All right. is because not only are the animal itself is so intriguing. Um, I think there's specific parts of, and I'm, I'm going to connect this back to being a human being. So the, the T-Rex is, is a beast, right? We know the T-Rex is just a beast. He's like, you know, he's like, the you know, he's the best, right? A lot of people think anyways. Um, but the T-Rex has a specific limitation. And that is the way that he was designed because his arms are small in the front. So the T-Rex has a limitation. Um, but, but despite the limitation, he still was the man like the, the t-rex is still a beast like the the t-rex the didn't stop being a t-rex because it had that limitation it just kept on being a t-rex it kept being a beast despite the limitation and i just think that's how i try to live i have a limitation but i'm still going to try to be a beast no matter what i love that i i think i've learned more about t-rexes and almost about anything else on this podcast because so many people say t-rex but I mean, and some people say, oh, he's BA and, you know, he's all this. But in the past four or five episodes, we've had people giving so many different viewpoints about the T-Rex. Like you gave that viewpoint about, you know, him overcoming his limitations. Someone else in a previous uh, interview said that they, uh, they hunt, you know, they're a pack animals, which I didn't know about. Another person said they had the highest cognitive function of any dinosaur, which ironically blew my mind. So it's just crazy how much we're learning about T-Rexes. And thank you again for adding to that wealth of knowledge. So, but Jesse, thank you even more for being here with me today. I greatly appreciate you sharing your story. 
for stepping up to help others through the pain that you've experienced. And I wish you all the best in uh, you know, your speaking journeys and the speaker contest. And I, I'm excited to see where your journey goes next. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate your time. Definitely. And so folks, look in the show notes to, uh, you know, where you can reach out to Jesse. You can find him on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're interested in joining his speaker chat, his speaker competition in uh, Niagara Falls in May, please reach out to him, hit him up. If you want to reach out to me to learn more about the attitude of gratitude, you can find me at chrisdtgordon.com, also at chrisdtgordon on Instagram and chrisdtgordon at Facebook. I'm not very creative, apparently, but that's okay. I am who I am without spinach. Well, folks, thank you so much for being here with me today. It, have a great day. And remember to pass on perfection and go for greatness. Greatness.